Today on our season one finale of Fashion for All, the Smart Glimmer podcast, my guests are my sisters, Meredith and Stephanie. They fall under the model category of types of guests I'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let them introduce themselves properly. We chat about their experiences modeling for Smart Glamour, their relationships to fashion, how they intentionally speak and act in front of their children to promote positive body image, and their gems of advice or inspiration for folks on trying new things and role modeling positive behaviors. Enjoy our conversation. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. <laughs> We're everybody. You're everybody. <laughs> Thanks for recording my podcast with me. Of course. Um, can you introduce yourselves? <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, mom messaged us. Um, and I thought it was one of you and I was confused. So I am Meredith. I am Mallory's oldest sister, eldest sister. Okay. I am a mother of two. And I uh, stay, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I volunteer a whole lot. Um, and I model for Smart Glamour. Uh, I am Stephanie. I'm also Mallory's sister. <laughs> Little one. Um, I am, I have a couple jobs to do with well, volleyball specifically, but I am the head women's volleyball coach senior woman administrator at Bard College. I also own and run uh, a youth volleyball club called New York Elite Volleyball, which caters to basically 18 and under boys and girls in the Hudson Valley. Hey, so Meredith, you said you're a model and Stephanie, you didn't say you're a model. Um. <laughs> Uh, I will say it's not something I typically lead with, but seeing as we are on a Smart Glamour podcast, it made sense to mention it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so pertaining to Smart Glamour, I take pictures of myself. <laughs> <laughs> so still not, still not a model then? I model for Smart Glamour. <laughs> My A model? I don't know, are you? I don't know. I model for Smart Glamour. Oh, well, it sounds like you're a model me then. But Man, if, I, you, if I play the piano sometimes, am I pian a pianist? This is the question. I have this conversation with lots of people on <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> All these Smart Glamour. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone gives me different answers. It's very interesting. That's why I ask. Yeah, Meredith, if you coach your son's soccer team, are you a soccer coach? I, I, at this point, I say I'm a soccer coach, even though I don't know anything about soccer. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, it's not, that's not true. I've learned a little bit about, I'm learning at the same rate as him, right? So I've learned some stuff about soccer. And I will say that I am an amateur soccer coach. Okay. I would never presume to like say that I am a coach at your level. I guess it's probably a, a good idea to have at least the same amount of knowledge about the sport as the, the children. <laughs> so me is like, I really hope you have more. I, I also 
<laughs> you know how there's that stupid saying, those that can't do teach? Yep. So I know a little bit more about general athleticism than the kids, uh, but I am incapable of demonstrating it to them. Well, that's fine. You don't have to be a good demonstrator to be a good coach. We did a passing drill because my head coach said, go do a passing drill. We had an uneven number of players. Oh, you're not the head coach. No, I'm the assistant coach. I didn't know that. And I do, and I put assistant coach in the, when I say I am an assistant soccer coach. And an assistant baseball coach, apparently. But that's new. All right. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> away from coaching. What? <laughs> We can go back to coaching when I talk to you specifically, Stephanie, but away from coaching in general, um, <laughs> back to modeling. So Meredith, I know that when I, uh, when we talk about you being a model, you usually give me um, or say a, a line about all the other things that you model. So does, is that not one of the things, like, well, tell us what that is. And then is that so, not in your mind when I ask you that question? So, if, well, it is. So it, if somebody were to come up to me and say, are you a model? I would say, yes. Not only do I model clothes for my sister's fashion line, but I also model ethical behavior and, you know, being kind to others and just, you know, generally lead by example. So in a way, in that way, I think of myself as a model also. And that comes from being a mother and a, a heavy in volunteers volunteering at the school. So I'm often, in, I'm just often in charge of children in general. So mm -hmm. I think of modeling that way also. Mm -hmm. But if someone came up to me and said, what do you do? Right. I do not jump to, I'm a model. <laughs> I would, I jump to, <laughs> I said, I list other things first, but then if it comes up in conversation, I would totally own it. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. <laughs> And I mean, this, the conversation actually, Stephanie, that you brought up, um, reminds me a lot of what Katie Bishop's answer was about, you know, is she a model? She was like, you know, while I'm in the act of modeling, sure, I'm, I'm a model. And then she compared it actually to, to acting, but she said it like, oh, if I'm in the play and I'm playing Juliet, while I'm in the play, I'm Juliet, but while I'm outside of the play, I'm not. And I was like, well... But to me, that's actually more like being an actor. And if you're an actor, aren't you an actor all the time, whether or not you're doing it? And that was kind of the end of like, <laughs> it hit a dead end there. But um, I mean, is, is that more how you feel about it? That if, if like we were at a photo shoot, you would say I'm modeling right now, but. I have no problem saying I'm modeling. Mm -hmm. I, I just, it's more of a verb and an action to me than it is part of my identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Even I think even when I'm in the act of modeling, oh, you know, <laughs> I'm the most awkward, <laughs> maybe not the most awkward, but like I, um, you know, am a little weird at photo shoots because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but so even in the moment, if you asked me if you were a model, mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think I would say no, but I'd be like, yeah, I'm modeling. That's fair. Um, I mean, and Meredith has modeled for Smart Glamour many more times than you also. Um, but so so here's a question then. If while you're modeling, you feel uncomfortable, 
why do you volunteer to do it? <laughs> a good question. I don't make either of you do this. No. <laughs> Let's just say that. No, I do, I do it because I'm a, I, I like the spotlight. <laughs> I don't know why 70 does it. <laughs> I don't know why 70 <laughs> Well, okay, so you just, you both just modeled for the spring collection that just came out, um, which you shot virtually. Um, but, you know, I post in a little group and I say, who wants to do this? And Stephanie, you're like, I, I would like to do this. So what was your, like, what, why did you decide you wanted to do it? I do enjoy doing it. And I also see a lot of value in doing things that are outside of your comfort zone, right? So I think this is one of those things. And I do, I, I enjoy it. And it was kind of a fun thing with Rosalind too, um, my daughter. So we, you know, she was outside with me. And although I took most of the pictures, like she was part of the process. And so it was kind of a fun thing to do with her. Um, and like I said, I just think I try to do things outside of my comfort zone on, on a somewhat regular basis when my schedule allows. And I think there's a lot of value to that. I think it helps you grow as a person and kind of just expand your boundaries. And um, yeah, so I, I think there's value to it and I, and I do enjoy it. It's just- Do you think it's a good thing for her to witness you doing? Who's the one asking the questions here? I'm just- Question allowed. Question allowed. <laughs> um, I do. I definitely do. Because I think, you know, in the way that you mentioned that you're, you know, a model and you role model things for your children. Um, obviously, I am also for her. I'm very conscious of the way that I talk about my body around her or don't. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's, it's a positive image for her to see me uncomfortable or comfortable, um, you know, taking pictures that I'm willing to, you know, share and yeah. Wait till she's a, a preteen and starts to become aware of herself. Yeah. And she so takes old. the pictures. <laughs> hey, my daughter did a great job taking pictures of me. She did. That's what I'm saying. She did fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was my point. That she when, we, when we were done, she was done. She was like, okay, can we go home now? Yeah. <laughs> but but she was she was happy to do it. And she, you know, I had to direct her and tell her where to stand. But yeah, she did a really good job. She does better than my husband, which is why yeah. she does it. <laughs> <laughs> um and Stephanie, I feel like when you, you say that you feel uncomfortable or um, awkward at shoots and then you kind of laugh, like that's supposed to be something that I agree with. I think that when we're at shoots in person, you don't seem awkward until you start going, oh, I'm awkward. But like up until that moment, you seem completely normal like everyone else. So I think it's just like it's more in your head and you're like worried about being awkward. So then you then you like break and you're like. Well, gonna be awkward now. <laughs> you're not being awkward until now. Right now, you're being awkward. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but there's few other people that do that to you. Yeah, to me. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. So, what was both of your 
thoughts or impressions when I said I was going to start Smart Glamour or had an idea for it. I don't even remember what conversations we may have had when that happened. That was over eight years ago. <laughs> uh, it wasn't over eight years ago. It was seven years ago. It was, oh, yeah, I guess it was after my, my son was born. Or, right. or, what, or what do you remember but still. From, from it being started? Like, I mean, you both came to the first show. Like, what, what thoughts did you have in general about any of it? You know, it's weird for me. I'm, you know, I'm thinking as I'm sitting here kind of ruminating over the question. It's like, you, I can't pinpoint the moment when you started it because to me, you've just always been a fashion designer and you've always you know, fought for everyone and you've always had this inclusive and creative mind. And so when, like, I really can't think of the moment when you started Smart Glamour or when you told us you were gonna do this thing because it just- Yeah, it just felt like the next natural step for you. Like it didn't really, it wasn't cut, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, what is this weird thing? She's, it just felt <laughs> natural progression, you know? Um, and I thought it was great. And I thought it was a great idea. And I was, you know, psyched to support you, obviously. So, but yeah, I, I just, it, I agree. It was just kind of like, I don't know, you started it when you were zero because it's kind of, <laughs> right? I guess, I don't know. It, it's, it's uh, that's interesting to me. To it, it didn't have a name or, or a concrete, concept but it's it's always it's just based on you so and even when you talk about the name you know smart glamour you founded the actual business but that term had always been something that you kind of used in different ways um mm -hmm. so even it's even the name wasn't new it was my aim screen name <laughs> right right <laughs> Which the, I came up with the name while I was at FIT because I had to do a project in one in like my one and only almost kind of tangentially a business class there. And we had to come up with a brand and that was the name that I came up with. And then I, for whatever reason, decided to turn it, make it my, my screen name because I liked it. Um, and then I just held on to it. So then when I started the company, I was like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll just use this. <laughs> See? Natural progression. It's true, I suppose. Um, I don't know. I think I sometimes um, other people have told me, other than just the two of you, that um, I've always been doing this and 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 do and like sometimes I've I, I like I can't remember remember that to be true I don't know why like to me it seems like this is such a concrete thing that I like began um and obviously has you know morphed and grown and grown and changed over the years but um you know I'll, people from that I knew in high school were like oh yeah this is the same stuff you've always been saying and I'm like was it I don't know I guess I don't I don't remember but yeah. it's just a matter of like formalizing it right and Right, forming a business and putting things down on paper and on social media and it's just, but for people who knew you, you know, prior to the official founding of Smart Glamour, I think it, that's just what it feels like. It was just maybe formalized when you started the company. Yeah. That's interesting. 
Um, so when we talk about fashion in general, I mean, you know, y'all are mentioning that, or Meredith, you said that I've been doing it since zero because I've always been interested in fashion. Um, but I would say that your two interest in fashion has morphed and changed perhaps over your lifetime. <laughs> I don't know well, okay, well, I'll get more specific. So, um, you know, Stephanie specifically, you know, had a lot, you used to have a lot of, used to have a lot of rules. You used to have a lot of rules about what you would wear and what you wouldn't wear. Um, and even just recently, when you and I were talking about what you were going to model for spring, you started listing the things from spring that you liked the most. And I was like, who, who is talking to me right now? I don't understand. <laughs> what um so i mean what like you know what 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 were your feelings towards fashion when you were younger and how how they changed now that you're an adult um i imagine everybody everywhere has right these feelings that are vastly different from the time they're seven to 15 to 21 to 35 like i think probably, you know, the way that many things and your opinion on everything in the world probably morphs, you know, mm -hmm. this is not dissimilar from that. Mm -hmm. um, I know that when I was younger, especially when I was a teenager, I was really like uncomfortable with my own body and embarrassed by my body. So I did tend to wear like really baggy t-shirts and athletic clothes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, some of it sticks around. Like I had this real aversion to wearing anything with buttons or snaps or mm -hmm. anything like that. And I'm still, there are still remnants of that. Like I do not wear button down shirts. I, mm -hmm. I don't like denim jacket. And it's, I, I do think there's kind of a textural component to that and the feel of metal on my skin. I also will not pierce anything. Just those things still are just- No necklaces? No, not- Except no, for very special occasions? No, like link necklaces, <laughs> right? If it's made out of like a rope or- um, like <laughs> Meredith you should have just made the necklaces out of ropes. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, I can't, I mean, I can't explain it, but I can just tell you, like, also when you think about like bracelets, I'll, I'll wear like a bangle or a solid chunk of metal, but I don't like the feeling of a chain of metal mm. on my skin. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Some people have sensory things. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, if I was a child growing up now, that would, you know, be something that maybe somebody identified and said, oh, she's got sensory um, things that affect her, you know? Right, and yeah. I just don't think that that was anything that we thought about when I was a kid, but probably mm. it's true. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess to me, I mean, it just... To me, it seemed much more like I dress sporty all the time versus then now I feel like I see obviously a much more varied version of your style, but also like still completely surprising me. I feel like sometimes I try to guess what things y'all are going to like and like I can usually guess Meredith a lot easier than you. <laughs> I, I think I <laughs> really frequently though, like I, I, um, I don't know. There are like pieces of your clothing line this year mm -hmm. that probably last year would have been like, no, that's not for me. 
Mm. I don't know that there's a reason for it, right? I just think everybody's tastes change and one year to the next, I, I have different opinions about things. And Meredith, you kind of acted like, no, your relationship to fashion has not changed. Is that Was that the face you were making when I first posed this question? Oh, it was a sarcastic face though. I mean- Oh, I, because it has. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> It was, it was a sarcastic, no, um, cause, well, so I feel like younger me mm-hmm. wasn't so much into, I, I don't think I've ever been into mainstream fashion, mm-hmm. right? I think younger me, sort of, as a kid, I like to wear, like as a kid kid, I like to wear skirts a lot. And I don't know how much of that was mom putting me in skirts and how much of that was me like liking to wear, dress up for school. I I really don't know. But then as like an adolescent teenager, I was influenced much more heavily by the artists that I liked, musical Mm -hmm. artists primarily. So Mm -hmm. I was a bit more into like, I guess alternative fashion, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like I would follow like um, Shirley Manson from Garbage or Gwen Stefani or Alanis Morissette or any of those female rockers in the 90s. And I would emulate my style after them just as a way of my own identity extension, I guess. Um, and then it evolved into, well, now I have to go to college and get a job. So I have to dress appropriately to accomplish my goals. Mm-hmm. And then it became, then going through the transition into motherhood, you kind of become very, not that you aren't aware of your body anyway, but you become very aware of your body when you're growing another human Uh and um i would say that i transitioned a little bit more into being more conservative because i i kind of thought there was a way you were supposed to dress Hmm. so in an interesting way i would say smart glamour kind of came around along at like a really pivotal time for me because right around the time when my kids were like one and three and I was, I probably was about to fall into like a rut of, you're a mom now, you have to cover your stomach and, you know, wear mom clothes appropriate for your age. And yeah, I should have done that. Mom clothes. Mom clothes. Um, You know, you came out and were like, no, you can wear a crop top still and you can wear, I mean, like you got me to wear my first ever two piece, not tankini, but you know, like bikini to mm-hmm. like, and I don't, with, if you hadn't been making clothes for everybody at that juncture in my life, I, I don't, I probably would have been wearing mom bathing suits and stuff. Mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so I, and now I, I've, I've, I really just embrace who I am and, and wear whatever the heck I want and who cares. And I try to encourage my friends to do the same thing, hmm. um, because they, they're kind of like, oh no, I can't wear anything too revealing. And I'm like, if you want to, you can. I would never make anybody do that, but right. why Why can't you? Like, can't is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. Right. So, 
That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a um, that's a weird that's a weird thing. But I mean, you know, I feel like that's a whole whole much bigger separate conversation about um moms and women and I talked to back back uh, my episode with Tia we talked about that a little bit um and about um how society polices women's bodies and then polices them even more when they have children um but nobody's really doing that to dads <laughs> well they're starting to do it to dads like differently. There are dads that feel pressure to have the perfect, it's, it's, it's not the same. It's, it's, and it's not as extreme, but there are dads that are, that feel the pressure to have the perfect dad bod, <laughs> which is a silly thing. I know, but they, I know a couple of dads that are, mm -hmm. that are like, oh, if my, my beer gut is too big. That's no good. Like, mm -hmm. Right. right, it's weird. They they do, but it's nowhere near the same. It's just I do think it's there to. I wouldn't dismiss it completely. That's all. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, I think um, in general, so much of why women and feminine people feel, you know, very generally more negative about themselves is you have to think about that. There's like decades of advertising and all this crap that's been pushed on us specifically so like i i agree that um uh that has started to happen recently more towards men i think especially yeah. as like uh people human nature society has evolved over the years um and basically trace everything just back to like money and advertising people realize that like oh we can also make men feel insecure and they'll buy things um, and so they started, uh, you know, running with that more towards like targeted male ads and like all that, that stuff builds up. Right. And like back when we did Miracle Bomb Bods, that's that campaign. That was because that's when dad bod, that name, that phrase was created um, and, you know, commentary on that. But at the same time, I mean, that, that honestly, it's not surprising. It makes complete sense to me that like uh, we created a standard for a dad so like now if people feel they're not meeting that standard then they, they're going to feel bad about themselves even if so. um yeah that's super interesting and i also think that um how you mentioned that some of them feel like maybe they're you know too big but then also some of them feel like they're too fit um which is so so specifically interesting to me because all that does is further prove that like it's just about whatever the standard is right it's like not and and that's just based in nothingness it's based in like what what advertisers and media and all that decided mm -hmm. like this, this is the thing that you're supposed to be so if you're not that you're incorrect and it doesn't actually matter what that what that thing is like there's no there's no actual hierarchy we we made it up <laughs> these also all happen to be dads that are more in a similar similar situation to me like they are stay-at-home dads or part-time working dads or right like they're not necessarily the big breadwinner so they're also not fitting that mm. stereotypical standard 
so they have those things they're all going to be mad i hope they don't watch this because they're going to be like why are you telling people this but <laughs> you tag them in this when it gets <laughs> First of all, you haven't said their names. You haven't said their names. We don't know who they I have are. Not. I don't know who they are. No, I know. But if they watch this, they'll be like, stop. Why? They'll know that I'm talking about them. But that's fine. Well, no one else does. Dudes. <laughs> Just you. I don't mean to feed into your insecurity. <laughs> You're all wonderful. Well, yeah. That's the point, right? So, society sucks. <laughs> yeah, sometimes big chunks of it definitely do. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I think I, uh, it's good. I'm glad that they talked to you about it. And I think it is possible to like reframe those things for people in their minds, you know, um, even just to like give people reminders. Like recently, I um, just got frustrated quite honestly by talking to somebody who kept apologizing for themselves to me um and it's not I I don't get frustrated really at the person because like I think a step further to like why are they why do they feel like they need to apologize to me about these things and some of the things they were apologizing to me for like I also was in the same state but sometimes people don't realize that like they're saying like oh sorry I don't have any makeup on oh sorry I haven't got my hair cut in a year I'm like I also have no makeup on and I didn't get my hair cut in here. So like, I, I don't feel a need to apologize for that as what <laughs> it's not, a, uh, that my presentation shouldn't be offensive to other people. And if it is, I don't care. Um, but anyway, all that to say that I posted like a Facebook status about that, like, please stop apologizing for yourselves. You're fine. Um, and like, you know, I expected people to, you know, like the post and whatever, but like, the amount of people who were like, I really needed to hear this reminder. Um, and then I put a similar version, um, but <laughs> cleaned up a little bit on Smart Glamour's Instagram. And a lot of people did the same thing. They messaged me and were like, I really need to hear this today. So I think it's um, it's a good reminder that sometimes even the things that like you might have already learned, quote unquote, whatever, um, you know, people still need to be re reminded of those things. And like, sometimes people you say it. Yeah. And like, and you saying it as somebody that they like or follow or enjoy or know, um, can be, can be helpful, you know, like those guys are your friends. And so they value your opinion. So, um, you being able to say that to them was probably, you know, helpful and, and hopefully more meaningful than, you know, some weird yeah. trying to sell them I don't know what some crap <laughs> every time you guys do air quotes I sing little bunny foo-foo in my head <laughs> it's like every time I see it now it just starts and I'm like nope don't laugh <laughs> Well, now we know why you're laughing next time. <laughs> I'm not laughing at what you're saying. It's just for some reason, it's like I just see a little bunny like hopping across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So while you were both answering your fashion question, the next thing I was going to ask was if Smart Glamour had anything to do with um, 
any of your th evolving thoughts on these things with Meredith, you answered before I could ask it. Um, Stephanie, did, did any of Smart Glamour's creation have anything to do with your evolving fashion opinions? Um, yeah, yes and no. I, I, I struggle to answer this question because I still don't feel like I have like any grand fashion opinions. I'm very much of the mind where it's just like, oh, I like that today. Oh, I like that today. Mm -hmm. and so I think- That's why you're hard to predict. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, there are pieces from Smart Glamour that like, a, I'm especially when I model for you that I may not have picked for myself. And then I wind up liking them. Mm -hmm. Does it make me say, okay, so like I, I, I can tell you the best example of this is the right wiggle dress that I'm a wiggle dress. Did you intentionally make that hard to say, right? <laughs> like, I probably couldn't tell you the name of most of your clothes. I'm surprised you remember the name of that. Be but because you made it for me and I was like, oh, I'm going to wear that. Okay. And then I put it on. I was like, this is like the best dress I've ever put on my life. I love it. And so did it, did it then say to me, I now like this specific type of dress? Mm. No, like I don't think it influenced any grand ideas, but if nothing else, it opened my eyes to recognizing that I might not know if I like something until I put it on or just, you know, opening my eyes to the possibility of looking at different categories of things, you know? Well, I think that's a grand, that's a grand idea to me. Yeah. Just yeah. that, that like, um, you know, not stopping yourself before you have a chance to try something, or even if you just still don't decide to try it on, just like you, just not putting the block up in the yeah. first place, you know? Like I remember when I had the, my store in 2015, and I mean, I did specifically do this to Meredith, but I did it to a lot of people who came in and saw the Joan dress with the little cutout and would go, oh, I can't wear that. I can't do that. And I was like, oh, well, you know, it's your lucky day. You're going to try it on. <laughs> uh, you know, and I would only do that to people who seem like they would be open to me suggesting that, not to somebody who doesn't even want to have a conversation with me. But that was a very magical space where most people who came in like really wanted to like talk to me and have my opinion and, and whatnot. So I would, I would have people try it on and I would just be like, listen, I really truly have to believe me. I don't care if you buy this or not. Um, I would just like you to put it on because if you're coming in and saying, I can't do this, like the best way to jump past that is to try it. And even if you then go, you know what? I know I was right. This isn't for me. Great. At least now, you know, but you didn't, you didn't just chop it off before you made the attempt that's a hard lesson to learn just in general it's a hard lesson to teach well i it just there are you know you can't you have to try things and it's really hard and trying is way harder than doing mm. Mm. i think because it's scary because it could be because it's a little unknown right Anytime something's a little unknown or represents any kind of a change, people are hesitant, I think. Yeah, and I think specifically when we're talking about clothing stuff, but also probably in a lot of areas, that's that's tied into like 
you know. I know I'm going grander, but yes, I'll, but also oh, no. that's fine. <laughs> but that's fine. But also with clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's often tied into you know like a an insecurity feeling because uh what's like what's behind the fear of not wanting to try it right is the is the fear of the reaction of of what's going to happen if I do try it and you know I don't like it or I look ugly or you know if we're not talking clothes I fail at this thing and whatever um that's all tied back to the same kind of thing right that like somehow those negative quote-unquote negative responses then have say something about who you are when they don't you're still the same person yeah you know you know the things that matter about us are not whether or not we put a dress on and like the way it looks (laughs) you know um i would also go back a little bit and say oh i just had it so you can't just dismiss something just because without a, a reason right like just to go back to the dress that the specific dress you were talking about right yep. i have a friend who absolutely knows this about herself that she does not like the feeling of air on her stomach okay yeah and, and this dress has a cutout right where your stomach is so she might say well she might have walked into your store and say i can't wear that to you Mm-hmm. And then instead of, I know you would be more sensitive to this, but you wouldn't immediately say, well, guess what? You're going to try it on. You would maybe say, well, why do you say that? Yeah. And in her case, she would know. She would say, because I cannot stand the feeling of air on my stomach. Right. 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 And right. I'm like, oh, fool. fair. Gotcha. Right. Hilarious. But you can't just say, I could not wear that dress. And then you say, well, why do you say that? And then the person just is like, uh, I don't know. I, I just can't. don't think it would look great. I just can't. Like that's not. Yeah. I. I. If if that's where you, if you you need to you need to go the extra step and think about your whys. Right. And honestly, most people don't even say because I don't think it will look good on me. They they will just say like I I, just, I can't. I don't know. Yeah. Or like you know. Uh, like I don't have the stomach for that. It's like right or that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have, you have a stomach, right? <laughs> you have a body part. <laughs> you can physically put it on. So I think you're okay. <laughs> but that's, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's a similar to thing, right? To Stephanie saying like, she's like a texture thing. She doesn't like having like snaps of buttons. Like, you know, if I had something that had snaps of buttons and for whatever reason, she came in and was like, audibly said, like, I can't wear that. And I said, why? And she'd be like, oh, I have this weird texture thing. I don't like buttons. So I'm like, okay, great. Okay. Yeah. No problem. That's, that's a lot. Knowing something is about yourself is a lot different than assuming the worst without yeah. even giving it a go. Yeah. Or making a decision based on what you think other people will think. Right. That too. Knowing Correct. it about yourself is, is okay. That's valid. Yeah. Right. 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 Because that's usually the thought pattern of like, if I put this on, what will other people think? If they see me doing it, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, the willingness to put that on and the willingness to try something new actually says more about that person and their character. I know 
this mm. more in relation to my job, right? So coaching volleyball, I talk all the time with my young athletes about the need to step outside your comfort zone and, and do something different. If you want to make change, if you want to become better at a specific skill, if you just sit there and do it the way you've been doing it for a year, you're not going to get better at it. And a lot mm. of times they're like, well, I'm going to look like a fool in front of my teammates because I'm going to try it this way and it's not going to work, or I'm going to miss the ball. And we talk about, okay, but what's your goal here? Is your goal to get better at volleyball? Yes. So are you willing to take the risk of maybe messing up and looking silly or something like that to get better at volleyball? And then, you know, we talk about it as a team, right? And, and everybody's like, well, I'm not going to laugh at you because I'm trying it too. And I know I'm going to look silly. And so I, I think it speaks volumes about, you know, the character of the, the young women that I'm in the gym with that they're like, okay, cool. I don't care about looking like a fool. This is about me and my growth and getting better at a sport that I'm passionate about. Hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I feel, I feel like that's, I mean, honestly, something that hopefully that they can, you know, continue on and apply to other things in their life is like, remember, like, what is my goal by doing this thing, you know, and, and does my fear about trying to do this thing have anything to do with my goal or not? And like, does it even matter what's, um, you know, that's kind of something that I, I suggest a lot when, um, people will interview me or something and they'll ask me, you know, for my advice to people about, you know, body image related things in general. And the thing that I always say is, and, and I kind of attribute it to just being more of like a logical problem solving type of person, but maybe that's not true. I don't know. Um, that like, I like to keep at, like, keep going deeper and keep asking myself, like, why, why am I worried about this? Why do I feel this way? Where did I learn this thought pattern? Who has presented this thought pattern to me? Do I care about that person or thing or entity or organization, whatever? Um, do I like, does, does their opinion actually hold weight to me when I break it all the way down? Um, and sometimes doing that helps in lots of situations. Okay, so back to mom stuff in general, maybe. Um, I know, Meredith, you kind of touched on like being a mom and feeling like you have to dress a certain way and Smirk Glamour helping you feel that way. And then you also asked Stephanie, or not feel that way, and you asked Stephanie if you know, thinking that modeling in front of Franzen, um was an important thing to do. Um, and then Stephanie, you also mentioned, you know, being very specific about how you talk about your body in front of her. Um, and I'm just curious if you had further thoughts on kind of like the, the thing that the, all of those things circle around, you know, like, um, modeling positive body thoughts in front of your children when as we mentioned even in the dad bod conversation you know so much of media and mainstream society might be trying to feed them other things so for me it has a lot to do with their personalities a little mm. bit in a way I worry far 
this is going to sound backwards. I worry more about my almost eight-year-old son mm -hmm. than I do about my now 10-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And part of that is that she is like a very practical, you guys know, serious child. Mm -hmm. I hear none of the drama that goes on in school. I ask her, like, is anything interesting happening in your like social circles? And she's just like, I don't know, mom, I just go to school. <laughs> <laughs> but my son who's in second grade and she's in fourth grade, he will come home and tell me, it's like I'm talking to Mallory when she was a kid. He'll tell me <laughs> all of the stories about all of the people in his class. I was like, I don't know where it's going. Because you used to tell us all of the stories about all of the people. But um, he he'll just tell me so-and-so like so-and-so or somebody's got a boy. They're in second grade. They don't have boyfriends and girlfriends, but he talks about it like they do. And he's just plugged in to what everybody else in his grade is saying. And my point is, is that he is, he is aware of everything going on around him. And I feel like my daughter is not because I know that there's other fourth grade girl drama because I am friends with their mothers and I have right. heard things and I'm like, whoa, I didn't hear anything about that from her. Mm. And I'll ask her about it and she'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. So she's just, it's not that she's not aware of her surroundings, but it's just, it's the, that type of stuff does not interest her. Mm -hmm. And like, it, somehow people talking about other people just, Go, it goes in one ear out the other, right? So similarly, I don't really worry about her taking the superficial messages from advertising and videos and movies and stuff because I don't think she focuses on that stuff. I think she focuses more on the content. Hmm. Um, of course, all that said, yeah. as you guys know, they both just had a dance recital Mm -hmm. And you saw the beautiful picture of her in her dance costume. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that her dance costume gives the illusion of being strapless. Oh, yeah. And her shoulder, she, it was perfectly tasteful. It was beautiful. Yeah. But her shoulders were completely bare. Mm -hmm. And she was uncomfortable. Oh. When she first put it on. Mm. Did she like, uh, explain why? Or say why? She was just, a, she, she, I could just tell because mm -hmm. I'm her mom, but she just was, she was a little bit like this, right? Like she just kind of put it on, I was like this. And I said, I was like, what's wrong? And she was like, it's very, it's very. <laughs> and I was like, you look beautiful. It fits perfectly. You have nothing to worry about it. And she needed that little bit of extra reassurance and then she was fine with it. But like, mm -hmm. it was something she was very aware of. Um, just cause it's not a part of her body that's typically exposed. This collarbone area, right? right? She usually has on a normal just t-shirt or, or a leotard that has, cap, has sleeves. That's like her, her uniform yeah. for dance, right? Um, I lost where I was going with this. You're more that, than, <laughs> but 
I mean, also, like, it's very easy to have a conversation with her and be very direct and just say, that's just what your shoulders look like. You're good. Mm -hmm. And she, maybe because she's very logical mm -hmm. and, right, she just takes that and says, oh, okay, and then goes out and does her thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, whereas my son, he, he, we haven't had many body conversations yet, but he's a little, he, he's a bit pickier about what he wears and how it feels. He constantly is feeling the inside of his shirt or the inside of his pants to see if it's soft enough. Mm. Um, so he's just, I don't know, he, those things affect him more. But he's also not in fourth grade yet. And so he's not really at the level of, like I think he and I are gonna have in interesting conversations when he hits middle school and things start to change, mm. you know? For her too. Yeah. I mean, not to, I don't want mean this to come across to sound like uh, parenting advice, but like when you tell the story about your daughter, um, it reminds me of me because I'm like, that was me. Like I didn't run with any popular social, social groups or like, I didn't, I feel like I didn't really pay attention to any of the drama. And I know there was a lot of the drama all the way through, you know, whatever, late elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, but I was still really aware of my body and it changing and it was really uncomfortable. And those moments, there were moments that I can still pinpoint from when I was a teenager and that was happening. I can picture clothes that I wore, like very specific articles of clothing that I wore because I was trying to hide the fact that my body was changing or I, I just didn't want any kind of attention drawn to that. Meredith, you had a boyfriend who I can still remember a comment that he made to me when I was at that stage, he, he made a comment. I think he made it to you, but I was there and said that I should probably be starting to wear a bra. I can tell you who it was, I won't do it now, but like, it's a very vivid memory. I can, I don't remember it, but I can guess who it was. Yeah, and I, me too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really, really vivid memory for me. And it's mm -hmm. like, as a parent now, when I think about, and obviously we're still a ways off being that my daughter's five, but like, being aware of comments that people are making about her body and around her and things that she can hear. Mm -hmm. Even now, something as small as she, you know, she picks out her clothes and she puts on a pair of pink and green polka dot pants and then an orange and purple striped shirt. And I'm like, Whoop, that's a bold choice. But like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and her father will bring up things and be like, that doesn't match. That looks crazy. And, mm -hmm. and it's, you're right. It doesn't match in the, you know, terms of like, they're not the same colors, but mm -hmm. do you like it? And she's like, yeah. And it's like, cool. So it's like, I feel like I'm constantly trying to just be aware of anything that's being said around her and try to reframe it. Right. I'm not going to scold anybody for saying something like that. I mean, he's right. They don't match, you know, and maybe right. it's a conversation later, but I, I don't, I don't blame him. I look at it and do the same thing. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Good for you, but like, I mean, we've been. We've been doing that for years. In a way, we've been doing the opposite because when she, she does pick out her clothes, she picked, well, she's gone back to picking out her clothes because I'm, I got tired of it. And I was like, you have to pick out your clothes. You're 10, pick out your own clothes. <laughs> but um, when she, but when I, when I would, or when I would pick out her clothes, if it didn't match perfectly, mm. I'm talking like green pants, green shirt, green socks. 
like all green. It didn't really matter if it was the same green, but it all had to be the same color, right? She, then she would, she, she really wanted it to all, that's just her style, right? So she definitely always kind of had that. Mm -hmm. um, so she's already kind of, you know, she's, tw she's twice your daughter's age, right? So right. I don't, we've been doing that for a while. To go back to the costume example, mm -hmm. After she was all dressed and her hair done and everything, we came, we went downstairs. I said, go look in the mirror, go show daddy, to, which the mirror happened to be where he was. So yeah. she went and looked in the mirror and she was looking in the mirror and she was like, oh, wow, I look really beautiful. And she felt beautiful. And he looked at me and he went, why did the costumes get so sophisticated? Hmm. And I was like, good word choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just said, well, she's getting older now. This is, this is more appropriate for the level of dance that she's doing, right? Mm. And we just moved on from there and she was happy. I don't really, you know, but we've been practicing what you're preaching <laughs> for just as long, right? And I, I don't know, I feel like or at least in our household, mm -hmm. some of that has taken root. And, and he knows better than to say, what's going on? How come she doesn't, how come her shoulders are out? How come right. it's strapless, right? And he, you know. And I mean, I'm just going to say that that, that that stuff does what y'all are both doing and saying that it does make a big difference, especially, you know, Stephanie like with her putting on something a little wackadoo and you just letting her do it I mean I know that mom thought I looked bananas a lot of the time but she always let me leave the house how I wanted you know as long as obviously I was like physically covered but um uh that and that and that matters it still matters to me now I still I still remember the fact that like even though I would like cut things up and put them back together in in questionable ways sometimes and then be like this is what I'm wearing to school and she'd be like uh, oh wow okay um but let <laughs> but but let me do it um even in and and honestly sometimes even in the face of me knowing that she didn't personally like it but let me do it anyway that that matters you know because that that taught me that the way that I look is is my decision mm -hmm. and like that that makes a huge difference, I think. So. I will say as parents of little ones, a friend of mine has the very practical point of view of they can wear whatever they want as long as it is appropriate for the weather. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like she won't let them right. run outside in freezing degree temperatures in shorts and a tank top. But right. even if that's what they want to wear, she would suggest ways to make it more weather appropriate. Like maybe put some leggings on under the shorts so your legs aren't cold. Or maybe you're not cold now, but take this sweater just in case. Right, yeah, 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 Right, like she, she'll do things like that. She won't influence their style, but she will try to protect their health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not get frostbite. <laughs> Right, no, like all yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, obviously, especially because kids don't think about that stuff. <laughs> putting, putting them in environments where they're getting that same um, language and support is important too. I think of this in a couple ways. I think of it um, 
you know, at her nursery school. I know mm -hmm. that the teachers there do a wonderful job of reinforcing that. Um, there's a little boy who often comes to school in a dress and it's just what he does. And every little kid, you know, they don't, they don't even notice it. Like the other day we, right. we walked in and she was wearing actually the dress that you made her for her birthday. It had unicorns on it. And he was also wearing a unicorn dress and it was really exciting that they both had on unicorn dresses and that was it. Right. Oh, I love it. And so, yeah, I, I like that she's in an environment like that. And you can't always control that because especially, you know, when it comes to public school and things like that, you get, you get what you get based on where you live and you try to pick where you live, hopefully accordingly, but um, you can't predict every environment that she's going to be in. But I also think it's important um, when you're enrolling kids in youth sports or performing arts or um, any extracurricular activities that that's maybe a question that you're asking of the people who run it, right? I mean, what what are your views on, you know, if this comes up, you know, how do you, how do you handle it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we could get into a whole other conversation about, because Meredith mentioned this, the standard for, for um, you know, as she gets older and the movement that she makes when she's dancing, but like, why, why, why is that the standard? That person could wear long sleeves the same way a little kid could wear long sleeves. Right. I think about it a lot in the sport that I coach because we wear short, tight spandex that's mm -hmm. the standard for volleyball, beach volleyball. Women wear little bikinis, like, and, and some right. of it has rationale behind it. But I think you could have a whole conversation discussing all of these things and what that standard does. Does it push people away from the sport who might otherwise have tried it because they're not comfortable? Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, like I, I think about, I, I, I always love and welcome the questions from the parents who come to enroll their children in my youth sports organization that are like what's your policy on the inclusion of trans athletes? Mm -hmm. I would much rather them ask that question. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for, for parents to do that and just make sure the environments that you're putting your kids in are, are as supportive as can be. Yeah. Yeah. And our, actually, school, our school district's great. Go ahead. No, you don't really have a full thought. Oh, I was just going to say our school district, we're, we're in the public school district now, right? Like we got to choose our nursery school because that was private but then once they hit kindergarten and above it's all public and I would say that our district is wonderful but what you can't control are the families that go there mm -hmm. and there's certainly in this town a mix of different ideas and everything and the teachers are wonderful at how they handle how the kids interact with each other like it, there's Everyone is always accepted for who they are mm -hmm. and who they want to be. Um, and if there happens to be a child that comes in who has learned differently elsewhere, it's handled well, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's the important part of it is that you know that about your school district. You, you either right. talk to people. Right, yeah. Um, I was, it's something I think about too with their dance school because it is a, for lack of a better word, more traditional strict dance school. And the owners are older and it's, and, and ballet in particular has very much always been, you have, it used to be, it's like still, it's trying to break through right now, right? Yeah. There are some, there are some big breakthrough ballet dancers out there. Um, but it is also still very much like you're supposed to look a certain way to be a ballet dancer. 
-hmm. And I was a little worried about it, but so far they've been amazing about letting the kids be who they want to be. They do dictate exactly what they have to wear, but that's, that's like, um, everybody has to wear the same color leotard and that just delineates which level you're at. And actually when you get to the higher levels, as long as it's black, it doesn't even matter what it looks like. It just has to be a black leotard, but you can choose whatever black leotard you want. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of it is that they listen to their parents and I think they've evolved over the years. And so any concerns I might've had when they were younger, I'm not really worried about anymore because I know that if ever a situation comes up that I'm uncomfortable with, all I have to do is go talk to them and they're right. open to learning and evolving. Even if they're, they're open to learning, even if they haven't learned it yet. I, I don't <laughs> Obviously, they're open to yeah to, to listening and growing yeah and, yeah mm -hmm. you can, yeah even, you can even if they're them. still a little bit in a different mindset they they're open to yeah mm -hmm. you can't tell them the right way to teach ballet but you can explain to them you can you, they were willing to have discussions about who can take the ballet classes. And it's very, it's become very open. Even I've seen it even open even more just in the, oh Lord, seven years we've been there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And their um, son is becoming more proactive. He's, as I've seen him take a bigger role. And so he's, you know, he's a more open-minded individual anyway. Mm. Um, no. that helps. um, what I was going to say, Meredith, is that I remember, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. was, I, I don't know if you remember telling me this story. Um, and I don't remember the specific specifics of it, but one of the times I had a pop-up in Croton, you were like, oh, I have to tell you, you're going to be so proud of Annalise that like someone in school was feeling uncomfortable about wearing oh. something. And yep. Annalise, like, sh shut it down, like, was like, you don't have to worry about that. She shut it down. You remember that story? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what year it was. It wasn't maybe that she, long I think, ago. I think maybe she was in second grade, and there was another little girl in her, in her class who really liked wearing dresses to school and really liked, like, dressing very feminine. And I guess some of the kids would, would I don't know if they would tease her, but they would definitely comment on the fact that, oh, she's got a dress on again, right? Like just say, oh, you always wear dresses. Why don't you wear something else someday, right? And so this little girl was starting to feel like, well, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't wear dresses all the time. And, and maybe, you know, maybe there's something wrong with that. And Annalise was like, no. You wear whatever you want. <laughs> and she was like, who cares what everybody else thinks? You wear what you want. And uh, yeah, and I heard about that. And that struck a chord with the little girl. The little girl went home and told her mother, who I'm friends with, and that's how I heard all about it. I didn't hear about it from my daughter. Right. I heard <laughs> and I asked her about it. I said, so I heard about this thing that happened in school this week. And you, you, 
you told her it was okay to wear wear whatever she wants. And she was like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah, sure, that happened. Like, it wasn't even a blip on her radar. It was just a, it was so obvious to her that you should get to wear whatever you want that she was just like, well, yeah, duh. Of course, I told her that the, she should wear whatever she wants. And I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm very glad that you stood up for her. That was good. And she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just, I just... She's like, I, she didn't feel like she had done anything extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is another reason why I don't really worry about her. Mm. <laughs> because she's already kind of got all of this ingrained. Um, yeah. I feel like she's got a really solid foundation to grow from. Even though I know adolescence is going to be scary and she's going to be, and bodily changes and stuff are going to affect her. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to affect her because she's worried about what other people think. Mm -hmm. I think they will affect her because they're going to affect her because it's, 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 it's an emotional, highly charged time, but I don't, but, and I, but I also think she's going to be comfortable talking to me about it if she needs to, if she feels she needs to. Mm -hmm. And I think that she will be able to talk through it with me when the time comes. Right. Because yeah. she definitely knows that I'm willing to talk about it because I tried to talk about it now. And she's like, mom. <laughs> she's like, I know all this stuff already. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, just when you're ready, I'm here. And she's like, I know, I know you're here. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> no, but yeah um so towards the end of all these podcasts i usually ask people to give some kind of like a gem of positive thoughts or inspiration in relation to like what they do because i'm usually talking to people more about what they do which is not what we talked about so that's fine so i'm trying to think of a way to rephrase that so it makes more sense with the stuff that we talked about so maybe stephanie if you could say something about like deciding to do something out of your comfort zone and like you know that's definitely something that you didn't used to do and now you've decided to do that so um like what would you have to say to, to somebody who maybe is nervous um i think i feel like i can kind of tie the two things together actually because Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mentioned earlier that one of my positions at Bard is I'm the senior woman administrator, and mm -hmm. that position was created by the NCAA at, for all colleges and university athletic departments and conference conferences, athletic conferences, um, to promote meaningful represent, representation of women in a traditionally male-dominated field of college athletics. Mm -hmm. And I feel like <clears throat> it's really important to a step outside your comfort zone and b try to like make waves in in arenas that may not be traditionally meant for there they go <laughs> meant for oh <laughs> uh, yeah so i think okay. get involved yeah in in areas that are not traditionally dominated by women or by you know however you identify somebody like you is there, be the first person that's there because 
you can be a role model for somebody else who's feeling the same way, who also feels excluded, or maybe originally feels like they can't do it, but because they can see somebody else in that role, they now recognize that that's available to them. Mm. Yeah, love that. And actually that just gave me a thought for, for Meredith's question. So circling back to the beginning when you were saying, when we're talking about modeling and you're saying that you, you role model things for other people, maybe yours can be tailored to like advice for other parents who, uh, you know, <clears throat> may be trying to get more involved or maybe they're already involved in volunteering things or others or, or like, you know, being in charge of groups of children <laughs> um, and they want to, you know, uh, be, be a good role model to them. Um, and especially, and like also like to children that aren't just their children. Um, what are some thoughts that you might have about like good positive ways to um, role model different things to younger folks? I mean, the best way to be a good role model is to just, I don't, I don't want to just say just do it, but like, you know, if you are, um, if you have ideals that you want your children to embody and grow up with and believe in, mm -hmm. then you have to also embody those ideas and, you know, you have to practice what you're preaching, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and if you're looking to volunteer more, just you step up and mm -hmm. make it known that you want to, that you're, that you're around and available to help. And then when you, if you, and then be available to help, <laughs> you know, make, make the space and, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of just a, I, it, it's, it's so trite, but be the change you want to see in the world. I don't, I mean, you know, like you're, no. <laughs> If you if you want to see something different, you have to act on making that difference. Yeah, no, I agree. Right? And I mean, I'm... the thing about like feeling weird about saying cliches sometimes, um, <laughs> or like you know, quote unquote, try things. <laughs> uh, I hope every time you do these podcasts from now on, anytime you do this. That's what you do. Um, is that like, you know, they, they became cliches for a reason, right? For a reason, like, yeah. Because people kept saying them over and over and over. Um, and that's what makes them cliche. But it's true though, like that um if you want to instill certain values or morals or ideas onto other people, then you know, most of the time actions speak louder than your words. You need to you need to be doing them first. Um Right. And, and like, true, you know, just truly actually believing in them and, and caring enough to make those points and make it, make it visible to people and especially to kids because they're so like observant and, and really observe yeah, more than sometimes people think they do. Yeah. Kids see everything, whether you think they're watching you or not, whether, whether you can tell that they're watching you or not, they're still watching you. Um, yeah. 
So they they see the people they see the people that are in their lives and they see how they act and they emulate themselves after those actions. Mm -hmm. So you can you can tell them things till you're blue in the face, but if you don't follow through on what you're saying, they're gonna they're gonna follow through on your actions. They're not they're not gonna listen to what you said. Yeah, for sure. You know, in the woods. Careful the things you do, children will listen. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um so thank you so much for both doing this with me for my uh end of season one of the podcast. Um do you either of you want people to follow you on the internet? <laughs> and if so, where? <laughs> um People can follow me on Instagram at, what is it? It's minima102, I think. I always forget. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always forget if it has the one or two or not. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I keep that public and I keep my kids off of it right. for that reason. That's, that's why you, I try to. I try to put them mostly just on my private stuff. But if people want to follow me, sure. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's not that exciting. It's mostly smart glamour stuff and and um, workout videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Steph, my um, I don't really do much with my personal social media, but um, if anybody wants to give the club a follow, New York Elite Volleyball, we do some some good stuff. Um, I think the Instagram is New York Elite Volleyball, but it might just be New York Elite. I think it's the full thing. I'll find it. I think I think it has volleyball. I think, I think it has volleyball then. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. I'll find it and link it. Um, yeah, and if you're, what's the like? Should it, would it just be like if you're in the Hudson Valley area to, that yeah. you could technically get there and sign up? Yeah, Hudson Valley area. Yeah, anybody in the Hudson Valley, we do indoor and outdoor. Now that we're going to summer, we do a lot of outdoor programming. But that's me. Yay. I guess I could give a shout out to the other social media page I manage, but it's very, if you don't live in Croton and go to the Croton <laughs> school districts, you're not going to want to follow it. But if you live in the Croton Harmon school district, come follow at CETPTA because that's where you get all the good stuff. <laughs> follow, like, follow, subscribe for some sweet pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I, I know your your followers are, are big. <laughs> I know you got a lot of followers in Croton Harmon School District. <laughs> Who are already following the PTA. Who are already following Smart Glamour and the CUT PTA. Yeah. Literally your friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. The only other social media I manage. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you, sisters. I appreciate you. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having us. This was fun. Okay. Love you, mom. Love you, mom. Love you, mom. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Fashion for All. 
Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash smartglamour and Instagram at smart underscore glamour. Thanks.